Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. I love this time of year. My son is going to be a camel at his Christmas play. <laughs> JP is the perfect camel, if you just know JP. His one line is, what does the camel say? I can't imagine what's about to happen, but he's going to be a camel. I think back to the moment when I was little, I'll never forget. My brother was like in the play at church, and they dressed him up like a sheep. Is Josh here? Oh, he's in, he's in kids. That's, that's good. He, he's good back there. <laughs> he, uh, he was dressed up like a sheep. And he's this little, like he's big guy now, but he was like little, you know? He's like a little sheep. And he walked out there and he was like all serious about this play. And he was standing beside the manger and there was a baby. And then Mary and Joseph were standing there. And all of a sudden, this kid, this kid, Joseph, he's playing Joseph, started touching this little plastic baby Jesus. And Josh, I could see it on his face. He just got intense. He like looked at him and like Josh, is a, like Jay said, like, we just like, hey, we're ready to go. You know, like I'm hype already. And I could see it in his face. You know, I remember sitting there as a kid like, oh, he's ticked. He looks at this kid. He's like, mm. and then he slaps his hand. Everybody does what you did, you know, like we're watching this little kid, we're like, no, that sheep just slapped Joseph, man. <laughs> and we start dying laughing. And it, it didn't phase him though. You know, when you're like playing a game and the like, crowd is roaring, like you don't hear the crowd because you're in the game, you know? Josh was in the game and he was like slapping Joseph and Joseph looked at him, he was all mad. And he went, like looked at him and he was like, I'll touch him again. And Josh was like, boom. He's like, <laughs> you could like see him. He was like, ooh, you know? It kept going and going. I mean, it was like those church was roaring, laughing, and Josh was just doing his thing. Like standing, like, do it again, Joseph. Let's go. The sheep's about to rock you, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and I remember getting in the car, and my mom, like, my mom, you know, she's like, she's, I mean, she's just sweet. Like, Josh, why did you do that? Josh was like, her teacher said, don't touch the baby. <laughs> like, here, here's what I like. Josh knew the assignment. And that assignment was like, don't touch the baby. But everything else, like, that's the thing I'm up here for. And the second that kid touched the baby, he broke the assignment. So I'm going to stick with the assignment. And because I'm so focused on the assignment, I don't hear what nobody's saying around me because the assignment was don't touch the baby, you know? <laughs> that's the focus. When you're focused in on the assignment... I don't really hear much else out here. Talked about last week. It's the meal that we don't eat that often prepares us for the meal that we were meant to eat. I want to I revisit that because I believe it's a word. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving meal. Many of y'all probably didn't eat before you ate Thanksgiving, right? We were saving up for the meal we were meant to eat. And oftentimes it's the meal that we don't eat that preps us for the meal we were made to eat. You see, if Josh had missed the assignment, if he was focused on anything else, he wouldn't have cared about the other kid touching the baby Jesus. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, okay? But he was focused on the assignment. 
And the meal we were made to eat last week, I just wanna revisit this, Colossians 1, 22 and 23, and I'm gonna get somewhere through this. But Paul, he says, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present who? You, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Does anybody feel like they need to be made blameless today? We need to get into holiness. You were made through Jesus, blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the, what's that word? Faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the, what? Gospel that you heard, which has been claimed in all of creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I'm filling up what's lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That doesn't mean that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough for people. It's basically that he's carrying on Christ's life so other people experience the true Christ's life through Paul. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. That word is like logos in, in, the, in the Greek Bible. That's the word used. And in the ancient days, the Greeks, and really it came out of uh, Ephesus, but they believed that this logos was like the divine like vibration of creation. Like it held everything together and it was like this creative, the creating breath, the creating power of all things. And it flowed through everything. Paul uses this word because John uses this word in John chapter one. It says, the logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Has that passage ever confused anybody? You've got to kind of understand ancient, ancient times to understand what he's actually saying. But he's saying, y'all think that there's a creative energy Yes, that creative energy became flesh and his name was Jesus. Like y'all attribute him to like this God thing. Yes, he became Jesus and stepped into flesh. So Paul's saying, that was given to me, this word given to me to make the word of God fully known. That word, like that logos, that power that flows is the message of Jesus left here. Romans says the power of God is the message. The gospel is the power of God to save. Literally, when we speak this word, it's not from us. It's actually from God himself. Because God said it, it has weighty power. It's not just words. It will divide into the soul and joints of our souls. It'll transform us because it is not man-made. It is from above. This message is divine, not human made. And Paul's saying this word of God, this logos of God was given to me to be made known. He knew his assignment. Now I wanna step into Acts and I wanna finish the rest of the book for us. And then I wanna step into Christmas time, okay? We gotta get into Christmas spirit and it's gonna be great. But let's get through Acts and I'm in chapter 20. And I'm gonna paraphrase a whole bunch. Chapter 20, I'm gonna start in verse 18. And I just wanna highlight till 24. And basically like the whole thing is now following the life of Paul. And Paul has gone from through Asia 
and he's kind of weaved through Europe and he is compelled by the spirit now and he's going back into Rome. But he's hitting Greece now. He didn't want to go back into Asia, so he hits past Ephesus and he finds himself in Greece in a little town there. And when he got there, he called the Ephesian leaders of the church to himself and he says, hey, I want to meet with you guys. And this is his heartbeat, I believe, for the rest of this book. And I want to break his heartbeat down for us. Let's see what the Lord does. Chapter 20, verse 18. And it says, basically, when these people came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, and here's what his message was, of repentance toward God, turn to God, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He encouraged them to believe that message I read in Colossians, What would happen in our lives if we began to believe the reality that Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in him, that you and I are declared holy and blameless because the work that he did for you. If you dive into the richness of what that means every day, if you woke up, how would you feel if you're like, today I'm holy and blameless? Anybody just want to be set free? Anybody wake up and you're like, I'm a wretch. I'm a mess, I'm an addict, I'm forsaken, I'm abused, I'm lost, I'm failing. I bet many of us wake up at days feeling just like that. And I wanna tell you, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, maybe your feelings tell you that you're a failure today, and I wanna tell you that's okay. Jesus is not afraid of your feelings. That truth is still true even when you don't feel it's true. I'm going to tell you some days I wake up and I feel like a failure. Some days I feel like I don't even know if this is it. And yet he's so kind to meet me in those moments in my lowest of lows and show up in ways that I can't explain, to be honest with you. I can't understand. So maybe you're waking up feeling like a failure today. And I just want to tell you, what would it look like if this reality was begun to be believed a little bit deeper? When you woke up every day, you could thank him because it's true. Thank you for making me holy. Thank you for making me blameless. Today, I'm going to walk in your ways because this is who you declare me to be. I'm allowed. If you do not receive that for your life, I don't believe you will ever feel worthy enough to step into the assignment that you've been invited into. The moment we begin to believe Jesus' words, I believe the life of Paul begins to come really clear because Paul shows up and shows out in the midst of trials, pain, people forsaking him, and he's not letting any of those things define him because Jesus has defined me. I was the worst of the worst, and yet Jesus met me on that road. Have you felt like that? And Jesus has met you on that road? Oh, I have too. Go back to that moment. Jesus called you out. Jesus, if you, if you haven't met him on that road, I believe today this is that road and he's calling to you and he's calling you out. He's like, I love you. 
I'm calling you. He's speaking to you. He just told you your heart. That's exactly what's going on. Anybody like you? We get feedback here. Help, help a brother out up here, you know, feeling alone. Give me a little feedback. Feel that, right? Anybody? We're all in agreement. Let's go. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I'm on a team, let's go. I wanted to focus in on 19 for a second because he talks about trials. Verse 19, he served the Lord with humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And I want to highlight this word because I think a lot of times when we think of trials, we think, where did I go wrong? Did I take a wrong step? And then God has then brought something into my life to like send me back. Anybody ever have that question? If anybody had the worst kind of trials, listen, this guy named Paul did, and I promise you, he was doing a lot of things pretty, quote, right. So when he hits trial, he's not like, God, what did I do wrong? And I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in that cycle of like, what did I do wrong? Because it got hard. It says trials that happen because of the plots of the Jews. It wasn't God doing it. It was the enemy coming against Paul to stop his assignment. He had been called. And if he got off track and started blaming God for the enemy's work, he would have stopped where he was. I want to encourage you. Maybe you feel like you're going through a trial and you found yourself going through that trial when you started following Jesus and do what he finally said to do. And it got harder. I want to tell you, God's not made it hard on you. The enemy has made it harder on you and he's now coming against you because he wants to stop you because you're beginning to be effective in the assignment. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us what this enemy really is. You are not fighting. We don't fight against flesh and blood enemies. You're not fighting against your boss. You come in after you've been, you've been like, revival and you come home, you go to your boss and he's a jerk or she's a jerk. You go home and you're like, what happened? My wife's freaking out all of a sudden. Recognize who the real enemy is. It's not her. It's not him. But he has no place. We got to fight spiritual battle, not physical battle. That's why Paul didn't pull out a sword and was like, all right, let's battle. He's like, no, let's battle. Let's battle well. We gotta learn spiritual battle. And if you learn spiritual battle, you'll see high things fall. You're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. How do you pull a knife on a heavenly being? Good luck. You're weak but my God is strong. Jesus is the greatest. It says that he holds the keys of death and Hades because he conquered the grave, the final enemy, death. I serve the one who is above heaven and earth. He is above all things and in him all things hold together. His name is Jesus, the divine logos of God the creative energy, he has a name. Jesus is his name. But in order to fight this battle, y'all, the scripture says we put on spiritual armor. We put on a helmet of salvation. This guards our mind. 
When you wake up and you begin to say, I feel like a failure today. I feel like a mess today. We have to pull out the helmet because there's arrows pointed at your mind. The helmet is what? Huh? No, what's in the scriptures? What's the heavenly helmet? Salvation. The reality of salvation is what I read in Colossians. We were saved by what? By grace, not by yourselves. It's the gift of God. We are saved by our faith and the free gift of God. This is my salvation. It covers my mind. When I wake up and I feel like I'm a failure, this is defining me. My job's a wreck. I mess this up. Whatever it is that's seeking to define itself and define you, I put the helmet on to guard my mind. Salvation will guard your thinking. Are you saved by grace or by work? Grace. Therefore, what could anybody do to you if it's the free gift of God? I have to, if that's true, I have to wake up and I go, my first word is thank you. Because this is true above the fact that things aren't going the way I expected them to go. The helmet of salvation. I'm going to put the breastplate of righteousness, which guards my heart. My righteousness is not my own. It is his righteousness that covers my heart and gives me a brand new heart transplant. I put on the belt of truth, y'all. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes to me, I will not reject. That belt is Jesus. He is the truth. When everybody's trying to figure out what's true, Jesus is true and everything else is a little bit less than. And what I'm telling you almost doesn't feel true. It feels like that's too good to be true. Anybody? It is. That's why it's called the gospel. It's good news. Put my sandals of peace on. I got to fight spiritual battles the spiritual way. Do you want to begin to see victory? We can no longer pull out swords or pull fists. That's not what Jesus did. And he modeled the way to win victory in the spirit. You got to fight spirit with spirit. And the spirit will help you fight all the right battles. Now, verse 22. Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Does that give anybody hives to not know what's going to happen tomorrow? Where's all my planners in the room? Come on now, planners. Oh, I love you. I can't do life without you, honestly. Like, I need you. I'm not the greatest planner, sometimes unorganized. There's other types of giftings. Y'all are amazing. He's unsure of what's about to happen to him. That breaks me out in hives too. I don't have to have a planned out everything, but I want to know what's going to happen down there. And if it's going to be tough, like, I don't know if I'm going to do it. Anybody? I just don't know. It can't be God. But he says, except here's what the Holy Spirit is testifying, verse 23. Except the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and affliction waits me. I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know if I want to go. Trials? 
Trials? But here's the key. And here's why he can face tomorrow, not knowing what's gonna happen, yet I, the Holy Spirit's kind enough to go ahead and prep me. Hey, this one's about to be hard. He says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Listen, listen, listen. I don't want you to read this. I do not account my life of any value nor precious. That's not, even, that's not Bible. He accounts you valuable and precious. But he says, I don't keep the value and preciousness to myself. It's not about me. The divine logos was breathed into me, made me so precious. I can't go sit in the corner. I got to give it away. Made me so worth it. I got to carry what's so worth it to the people who need the so worth it. I got to get moving and it's transforming in such a way I can't sit still. The assignment is everything because the grace of God has overtaken me and has become everything. I want to explain it like this. I don't know how to do this in timely manner, guys. I'm really sorry. I I want to. I'm just going to hurry, okay? It's like to account my life. I asked my daughter to build us a castle. This is what she came up with. It was beautiful. Seems more like a little tiny home to me, but I was thinking like a giant castle would be cool. And if my life is precious and I'm trying to like account for everything, if I want to read the opposite of that verse, he's like, I don't want to count my life as precious to myself. It's only to carry out the mission of God. If it's the opposite of that life, then I account my life worth something to me and I need to make it what I've always wanted it to be, right? Would you say that that would be the opposite of being like, it's not about me, then it is about me. If it is about me, what's it about? Whatever you want it to be about. What do we want it to be about when it's about me? Describe it. Well, I know this image tomorrow, what I want it to be. What's the image you have in your mind? I told her to build a castle. Let this represent the castle that's in your mind. Okay, whatever it is, your castle. And here's your giant car that's bigger than your house. You can't see it, some of you. But you got a car, you got a house, you've got all this stuff in your mind. I don't even know what this is. Let's call it a garden. Any gardeners in the room? We're going to have a garden. Okay? We have all of these things. We have a mini car now. It's a go-kart. And all this stuff. Okay. If you can't see it, you've got that in your mind. Now, I want to take into account everything that's in my life. What you end up having to do at this place is you have to pull out all the pieces and whatever comes your way, you try to rebuild with all of these pieces and your moments and your time and your money and you try to build that thing and bring into account every detail. So what ends up happening is we get in and we look in and we go, there's a piece of the vision that I can't quite see. So you have to untake this and it gets so complex you start taking it apart. How do I build this part of it? How do I get so-and-so to be like I want them to be? 
how do I, how do I do this and how do I do that? And you try to piece this together, you take into account, do you feel the anxiety already? I'm trying to piece this whole thing together. I want it to look like what's in my mind. And then what happens when a trial comes your way, that hiccup, like that, that road bump, that hard spot, and you're like, I got so close. I got four pieces together. And then something happened I didn't expect to happen. I want to quit. I don't want to build anymore. I'm like, done. This is where a lot of people find themselves. This is usually the part where I would love to tell people, hey, you don't have to build a castle. You don't have to build the castle. You could stop. I've said it for years. I want to tell you something new. Hurry and build it and figure out that it's not what you think it's going to be. Hurry. Just get it over with. Go. Get it done. Go. You're like, can the pastor say that? I'm like, please don't, but hurry up. Just, just figure it out because the second you begin to build it, I promise you, build it as far as you can. It won't be what you thought it was going to be. It's one of my favorite quotes from Jim Carrey. He says, I wish everybody could have everything and everything they ever wanted and realize it's not what they actually wanted. Jim Carrey said that. I wish, I wish everybody would get everything they ever wanted and realize it's not what they really wanted. Hurry up and build your castle. And then when you're to the point where you're like, I don't, I don't know if it's it. Then I promise you, this is the place where Jesus meets you. He'll meet you right here, right now. But there's an element where Paul is saying, I account my life nothing to myself. That means he made it super simple. He took this and he chucked it to the side and he says, I ain't evaluating nothing. It's about Jesus. And he met me, he met me when my scale was so out of balance. He loved me and he called me to himself and he says, I wanna give you a purpose and I wanna call you to myself and I wanna send you. Would you say yes? Met me. He says, therefore, because God is so good, I've chucked away, I account my life, nothing to myself. I'm not even trying to gain nothing for myself. Guess what? So a trial comes, guess what? I don't care. Something's coming against me to stop the work because I'm not about me, I'm about Jesus. That's what it's about. You feel how simple that is? But this message I'm preaching to you is the divine logos of God. This is the way we were made to live. You weren't made to set up the kingdom here. It's not us. We're not the king. Jesus is the king. And Jesus, being the divine king, has said, would you come follow me? I want to give you the kingdom you could never even imagine yourself. Because what Paul was experiencing was not an earthly kingdom. He experienced the kingdom in his heart. And in his heart, he was experiencing the fullness of joy because in the presence of God is fullness of joy. That scripture says he was going on and he was talking about, I do this with great joy. I don't know how to end this today other than I want to speak, I guess, a couple verses to y'all. The rest of Acts is Paul enduring more trials, shipwreck, snake bites, beating, never quit. How? How does he never quit? 
Psalm 107.20. And I want to read these to us because I feel like this is for our church. The divine logos, that word is in Psalm 107. The divine word, it says, he sent out his word and he healed the people. He delivered them from their destruction. The divine word was spoken out from heaven. And here's the response of the people. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfastness, love for his wondrous words to the children of man. Psalm 16, eight through nine. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. What he's saying is when you receive the logos of God, the only other option is for us to reflect it back to him is thankfulness. Is my heart thankful today? Now, if it's not thankful today, we got to go back for a second. Psalm 16, eight and nine. I have set the Lord always before me. Is that true of you? Hold with me. Don't feel like I'm shaming you for a second. Hold on. Because he is at my right hand, I'm not going to be shaken. Is anybody feeling shaken today? Have you felt shaken yesterday? Therefore, my heart is glad. I'm not shaken. My heart's glad. Anybody heart not feeling super glad? And my whole being is rejoicing. Anybody just hyped to rejoice earlier? I know some of us are. There's been days I haven't. My flesh also dwells secure. That means I ain't worried about tomorrow. Anybody this is true just about you today? Some of us, as I read that verse, you would say, I have a lot of work to do. Let's go back. The scripture says that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the scriptures. Jesus, now think here, I have set the Lord always before me. This is Jesus. Because he's at my right hand. This is Jesus, right? Oh yeah, that's Jesus. He's not even shaken. Resolutely sets his mind to the cross. He's like, I'm headed there. I ain't quitting. That's Jesus. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. I'm I'm thinking about him on the cross and he's like, I feel like you forsook me, but God, Father, I still trust you. On his deathbed, he's like, I'll give you my spirit. I feel like you've left me, abandoned me, but I trust you with my soul. To you, I commit my spirit. I got nothing else. Perfect trust, perfect peace. And the perfect one who did it perfectly died in your place and my place. And this is, I want to give you a free gift you couldn't do yourself. Would you receive this today? That verse is true. This verse is a holy life. This verse is the blameless life. And he says, I call you this verse because of my work, not yours. I don't understand it. That's too wonderful. Are you beat down by guilt and you can't carry out the assignment? Go back to the truth because it's true. The truth will set you free to carry out the assignment in the face of trial, persecution, and anything that comes against you. Because who could come against you if God is for you? Nothing. Come on. Are you discouraged? This isn't a to-do list. Shake it off. I don't got to improve myself. 
I don't account my life anything to myself. It's all about him. All glory to him. All logos back, praise back, reflecting back. I need nothing. It's all about him. I pray that this message frees you up to carry out the assignment God has given to you. You say, man, I don't know what assignment. Begin to pray and ask him for your assignment because I want to finish the book of Acts now. How does the book of Acts finish? Paul finds his way to Rome. This is the final verse of Acts 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The book of Acts ends, it's over. It's so abrupt. Then I wanna tell you, the book of Acts is not over, it's still being written today. It is not over, it's still being written today. Brothers and sisters, he sent his logos, the divine word to us to receive, to reflect back the truth of God, to receive our own assignment in 2023. Would you receive it from him today? In order to receive the assignment, you must receive the assigner. Let the assigner do the work. Let him lead and guide us as the Holy Spirit was leading and guiding Paul. Would you pray with me? It's all about Jesus. Maybe you need to come back to him. Let's make it all about Jesus. Let's turn, like he said, repent from works, repent from self, repent from trying to take into account my life and make it about me. It's all about you, Jesus. This truth will set you free. Maybe you know that it's about Jesus. Coming back to that reality of remembering, I just pray you get thankful. Lord, I just pray we come to you and we just recognize it's all about you. And Lord, you've spoken to us that we're holy and blameless through your son, Jesus. And Lord, some of us need to take that step of just coming into you. And so we come to you with open arms, with nothing in our hands, nothing to prove. And if this is you today, you can just join me in stepping in through prayer. Just say, Jesus, I got nothing to bring, but I come to you and I ask that you would make me what I'm not. Cover me with you. (laughs) I come to you to save me because I can't save myself. Here's my life. I surrender it to you. Do as you will. He will do better. He will do more. He will do greater because he's good. Maybe you need an assignment today. Maybe you've stopped and you said, I'm tired and I'm quitting. I have been there myself. Just tell him. I believe he wants to meet you in the valley of the shadow of death today. I thank you for that, Lord. If you feel like the Lord just ministered to you in the valley of the shadow of death, would you just lift, lift your hand and be like, he met, yeah, I feel like he's meeting me. Yeah, right there. I felt like, yeah, right here, right here, right here, all over the room. Father, I thank you that you're faithful. You're meeting us in the valley of the shadow of death. We will fear no evil for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they give us comfort. You prepare the table in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life and we will dwell in your house forever. We thank you. I thank you for revival in this room. I thank you for renewal in this room. I thank you for salvation in this room today. Thank you that you've opened our eyes when it felt really dark in that valley. You are with us. This valley doesn't define us. You do. Now maybe if you need an assignment, if you feel like I'm like, hey, Jesus, I see you. I believe I'm ready to step in. If that's you just as a step of faith, like I'm just gonna invite you just to stand with me now. I want my assignment. Just stand with me right here. I'm here, wide open. And then we're going to sing a song of response. Let's just, let's sing to the king.